That's Song of Songs, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. And in spite of my voice, this is the woman talking, by the way. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go about the city through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Okay, well, we are round about reaching the halfway point in Song of Songs. Um, and tomorrow, as I'm sure many of us will know, is Valentine's Day. Um, so that brings mixed feelings for different people. You could say it's quite fitting that at this time of year we are in this ancient love song in the Bible, the Song of Songs. But you may just have noticed we're in probably the least romantic section of the whole song. So sorry about that scheduling issue. Um, but yeah, I wonder how you feel about Valentine's Day when it comes around each year. Because some people get really excited by it. They say the cards and the presents and the grand romantic gestures. Valentine's Day is a great time in the year. And other people just get really cynical about it. It's just so commercial. It's so sentimental. It doesn't really mean anything. And I wonder, as we near the halfway point in Song of Songs, do some of us have similar mixed feelings about this song in the Bible? Because what we've seen, if you've been here the last few weeks, Song of Songs is overflowing with beautiful love poetry, with the man and the woman in the song rejoicing in one another. But for some of us, that same beautiful love poetry, it can be hard to take. The Song of Songs just sounds too good to be true for many of us, both in its celebration of human love, so between the man and the woman in the song, but also in its celebration of God's love for his people, his bride the church. Some of us might read a bit like this and say, well, can I really trust what this song is saying, both its wisdom for human relationships and the picture it gives us of the gospel? Or is it too good to be true? Is it the equivalent biblically of a Valentine's card, like full of grand romantic language, but actually it makes very little difference to the way we live our lives in this world? Is this just an airbrushed picture of the Christian life and Christian relationships with all the pain and the struggle and the difficulty edited out. Put it really simply, sir, does this give us a false vision of the Christian life? Those are really important questions we need to ask when we come to a book like this. And I want to suggest that the section we're looking at this morning, the opening verses of chapter 3, is here to help us see that even in an idealized love song like this, the Song of Songs still seeks to be honest with us about the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the different seasons we all experience in any meaningful relationship in our lives, whether that's a marriage or a friendship or relationships within a family, and also whether that's the relationship a Christian has with the God of grace. 
Because this, this section of the psalm begins in a difficult place for the woman and the man. In verse 1, the man is suddenly and inexplicably absent from the woman for a substantial amount of time. It's a painful and confusing time for the woman here. She responds to his absence by looking for him, but it's not an easy search for her to make. And we're going to see later in the song, in chapters 5 and 6, this isn't the only time when the woman will feel real distance between herself and the man. In many ways, this is the darkest moment in the Song of Songs so far, with even darker moments still to come. So you've got to say, well, why is this section in this love song here for us? What does it have to tell us about human relationships? And what does it have to tell us about our relationship with Jesus, the one who loves us with all the passion and desire of a husband for his wife? I believe this section is really important for us because it reminds us every real and meaningful relationship in our lives goes through different seasons. Relationships are never static. They develop and change over time. They go through ups and downs, ebbs and flows. And the only question really for us is, how are we going to respond when that happens? That applies to our human relationships and it also applies to our relationship with God. And that last statement might sound surprising to some of us, at least. Surely we think, well, well, we've been doing this song for a few weeks now, and if Jesus loves me with all the passion and the desire we've been reading about in the song so far, with all the passion and desire that led him to go to a cross to save me, then surely I will always experience his love in real and comforting ways. But the reality this part of the song tells us is very different. This part of the song of songs tells us that sometimes Jesus will feel absent or distant from us. That's not an abnormal feeling for a Christian to have. It's not a sign of failure in the Christian life. Every Christian will experience those seasons of distance in our relationship with Jesus. And the only question is, how will we respond to those times when they come? Will we give up and walk away from Jesus? Or will we respond by going looking for him and refusing to give up until we find him again? So I think we're going to see here, the woman in the song is meant to be our guide here. because She responds to the absence of her lover by looking for him. She is determined to find the man she loves, no matter what obstacles stand in her way. And in this, I believe she helps us see how we can grow in our desire for God, our living felt experience of God, even when God sometimes feels distant from us. Let's look at this bit of the song together now. Chapter three and verse one. This section of the song begins with the woman alone in her bed. That's verse one. And in one sense, that is right and good and how it should be. Again, if you've been here at all, we've seen this song tells the story of a developing relationship between a man and a woman. And in this part of the song, they're not married yet. Uh, Back at the end of chapter two, we looked at last week, the woman even sent the man away, urging him to wait until the time was right for them to be physically united and one flesh together, their wedding day. But here chapter three opens with the woman longing for the man she loves and she cannot find him. 
That's verse 1 here. She says, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but apparently the Hebrew verb for I looked here suggests a repeated action. So you could translate verse one as upon my bed night after night, I looked for the one my heart loves. This seems to be sort of a recurring dream the woman is having where she searches for the man, but she doesn't find him. And again, dreams, they can be slightly crazy. They're puzzling and confusing. They don't always mean a great deal, but sometimes the things we dream about are connected with our deepest desires. And so this sense of absence, of loss, the woman feels for the man, it is very real here. And how does the woman respond to those feelings? Well, verse two, she says, I will search for the one my heart loves. The woman is determined to find the man. In this dream, she searches for him three times and three times she is disappointed. Look at verse one for a minute. I looked for him, but did not find him. Then verse two, she decides to get up and go about the city at night in hope of finding him. Remember, this is almost certainly a dream, but still she is taking an enormous risk here. She's going to great efforts to find her man walking alone through the streets and squares of a city at night. In ancient Israel, that was not a safe thing to do. It was not a respectable thing to do. But she is desperate to find him. Verse two, so I looked for him, but did not find him. And finally, in her dream, verse 3, she comes across the night watchmen of the city. She asks them if they have seen the one her heart loves, but they don't help her either. So by the end of verse 3, she and we may be doubting she's ever going to find the man again. And suddenly, verse 4, she does find him. And once she finds him, she refuses to let him go. Verse four, scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go till I brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. The woman's dream ends with her reunited with the man she loves and bringing him to her mother's house, to her family home. After their painful absence from each other, the woman is now determined to marry the man. She dreams of bringing him to meet her family. She longs to be with the man physically. But as in chapter two, she realizes this has to be done in the right way. The right setting for that is marriage. She brings him to meet her family. And verse five, again, has this warning the woman has for her friends throughout the song. Be careful with love and desire. Do not arise or awaken love until it so desires, until the time is right. In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to see from verse 6 of chapter 3, the wedding day of the man and the woman. But for now, what are we meant to do with this sort of strange, unsettling dream sequence in the middle of the song? Well, I believe there is real wisdom for us here, wisdom for all our human relationships, in particular, I think, wisdom for people here who are married And first of all, the wisdom for all our relationships is this. I think what the woman shows us here is that love for other people means walking towards them. Love for someone means you're willing to walk towards them, to look 
for them, to search for them. Again, verse 1 of chapter 3, when the woman senses a distance between herself and the man, she doesn't just accept it. She doesn't just resign herself to it. No, she goes looking for him. She wants to see their relationship restored. So she walks towards him. She, she moves towards him in the dream. And that process isn't easy. It's not straightforward. There are plenty of frustrations, disappointments, for there's finally restoration. But she perseveres in that. And similarly for us, when you sense that you have begun to drift away from someone in your life, whether in your marriage, whether a friendship, whether a family relationship, brother, sister, parent, child, moving towards them is never easy or uncomplicated. There will be frustrations and setbacks. There will be misunderstandings. Why? Well, because that other person is a sinner and so are you. Seeking reconciliation is difficult. It takes time and prayer and effort. But I think the woman here embodies something of wisdom here. Don't give up too easily on those relationships. Loving someone means you're willing to make the effort with them. It means you're willing to walk towards that other person, not away from them, even when that might hurt you in the short term, in order to see your relationship restored. So I wonder, as we look at these verses today, and when you think about the people in your life right now, are there people you have drifted away from? People you now feel real distance from? Could be someone in your physical family or someone here in your church family. It could be a friend. I wonder, who do you feel distant from at the moment? Who might you need to look for? to walk towards in love as the picture in the song gives us. And the woman here says, don't be overly passive when that happens. Don't just accept distance too easily. If there are people you need to walk towards, that will be costly, but it is the right thing to do in love. That could mean something simple even this week, small steps you could take, sending a text message, a phone call, a card, arranging a conversation. Love means walking towards the other person. And we can't be naive. Um, The ending is happy in this bit of the song, but it won't always be in our lives. But the emphasis of the Bible is clear. Romans 12 Verse 18 says this, as if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, we are following Jesus, the great reconciler. So we should be willing to make the first move in seeking restoration with the people around us. And if the other person rejects that move or doesn't respond, that's their choice to make. But love means you're willing to walk towards the other person, even when that feels costly. I think there is real wisdom here for all our human relationships. I think there's also wisdom specifically for any married couples who are here. And this really stood out for me as I was prepping for this this week. I think the wisdom here is that in marriage, keep on searching for the one your heart loves. Take that ambition of the woman 
in verse 2. Now, in many ways, the couple in the song, they're about to be married. So the woman's search for for the man might most naturally speak to someone searching for a marriage partner. So look for the one your heart loves might mean sort of be prepared for the time and effort involved in that. Get to know the person you may one day marry. That takes time, effort. I believe that's true. But what's really struck me this week as I've been preparing for this is how that woman's words speak to anyone who's already married listening to this today. See, what if every Christian married couple took the woman's words in verse 2 and made them their ambition for the next year. This next year, I'm going to search for the one my heart loves. I'm going to get to know my husband or my wife. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to try to enter their world. I want to get to know them not as they were when we maybe first met, however long ago that was. I want to get to know who they are Now, I'm going to search for them. Again, a relationship is never static. It's always going somewhere. And in a marriage, you're either moving closer together or you're drifting further apart. And so the wisdom, I think, of the woman's search here in chapter 3 is don't be too passive when that is happening. And of course, Every marriage goes through different seasons. And no one is going to feel the same giddy, intense excitement of young love for the rest of their lives. That's actually a good thing. You'd never get anything done. It would be exhausting, okay? So there are different seasons, and that is appropriate and right. But I think that call to go looking for the one your heart loves stands. Get to know one another again. Song of Songs is a huge amount to say about married love and relationship. So making that your ambition for the next year could really bless many marriages here. I will search for the one my heart loves this year. Who knows even if the cheesy commercialism of tomorrow might kickstart some of that. So there's wisdom, I think, in this song as we see throughout the song for our human relationships. But what does this section of the song have to tell us about the gospel? That's sort of where we started today. What does this say about our relationship with God, the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church? And, and if, if I'm honest, I find this section really challenging for me on that. It's full of real life-giving truth, but some of truth I don't like to admit to. And the truth, I think, partly this section tells us are these. There will be different seasons in your experience of Jesus. And sometimes Jesus will feel absent or distant from us. That's not an abnormal feeling in the Christian life. It's not a sign of failure either. Because many believers over the centuries have experienced times like this, and many of them have turned to this section in Song of Songs to help them when they're there. Every Christian will experience seasons of distance in our relationship with Jesus. And this section of the song helps us prepare for that and also helps us to know how to respond when those times come. Now, I find this difficult because I often, I basically want the Christian life to be just an uninterrupted, lavish experience of God's love. 
And I think actually you look at Song of Songs and part of the message of it is that to us, is to understand something of the passion and desire Jesus has for us. And we sort of think, well, I'm always going to feel that passion and desire. But the reality is different. Sometimes in the Christian life, Jesus withdraws himself from us. He hides his face from us. That can be difficult to hear. It can be painful to hear. We then need to ask, well, why would a loving Savior do that? And I think the Bible gives us many answers to that. He might do that because of unrepentant sin in our lives. I think that often can be the case. We, we sort of want this amazing relationship of love with Jesus, but actually we are just rejecting his commands. We're rejecting his loving laws and limits on our lives. Why don't I feel close to Jesus right now? Well, actually, because I'm just not listening to him. He's not Lord of my life. Linked with that, maybe other things and people are taking his place in our lives. We've taken those good gifts God gives us, whether people or passions or possessions, and we make them ultimate things. We are worshiping them. We are looking to them to give us all the meaning we need. And perhaps Jesus withdraws from us to bring us to our senses. Or maybe we're just totally self-reliant. We think, I can do this on my own. And actually, Jesus needs to withdraw to show us our need of him. There are many reasons why Jesus might hide his face from us. But actually, I think from the woman's experience here, I think the helpful thing here is that experiencing distance from Jesus doesn't always have a clear reason behind it. Again, there's no sense in this section of the song that the woman's actions have led to this distance. And yet the distance she feels is still very real. So we might have questions of why Jesus sometimes feels close to us and other times feels distant. God doesn't answer all those questions in his word. But actually, he still calls on us to respond in the right way. A statement I find really helpful preparing for this by a writer called Ian Duguid, and he writes this. He says, we want our relationship with God to be smooth and easy. God designed it to be real and deep. I think sometimes I want Jesus to feel always close to me because that's just easy for me. But maybe actually those times of distance are an invitation from him to get to know him better, to go looking for him and finding things we would never find about his love and his grace any other way. See, the Christian life is a real two-way relationship, a relationship we experience here and now. It's not just about believing a set of truths or adopting a certain lifestyle. It's a real relationship with the living God through Jesus. And in the past, some of Christians would talk about that relationship with the term, so their communion with God. And so Mike's already mentioned Tim Chester this morning. Another book of Tim Chester is called Enjoying God. He sort of helps explore the distinctions there. He says that union with God which is in in the gospel, is all God's work, whereas communion with God is a two-way relationship. So basically what he means there is that the union with God is based entirely on God's grace. It's a gift from him, won for us by Jesus when he died and rose again in our place. We don't achieve it. We don't earn it. We can't earn it. It is a gift of his grace. We are in Christ. That's what union with God means. But communion with God, the way some older Christians talked about it, refers to our living felt experience of God. 
our enjoyment of God. And what we do or don't do does affect this. And one sort of imperfect picture of that we can get from the Song of Songs is that of marriage. So again, union with God, you could liken that to your marriage certificate or your wedding ring. Sort of legally, objectively, you are married to God. Nothing you can do will change that in a sense. There's, even if you don't feel it, it's still true. Whereas communion with God is more about your current experience of married life. How close do you feel to your spouse? Are you enjoying time with them? Are you growing closer or are you drifting apart? That's what communion with God refers to. And I think Song of Songs is an astonishing book in the Bible that helps us with our communion with God. It acts as this powerful invitation to every single Christian listening to it. That actually Jesus wants us to know and enjoy more of him. Let me just say that again. Jesus wants us to know and enjoy more of him in our lives. Because it's possible for us just to settle for very little of Jesus or God in our lives. We don't go searching for a deeper enjoyment of God. We think, well, my current experience, that's all there is. We can be very passive in our relationship with Jesus. But then the Song of Songs comes along and it says, you can know more of God. There is always more of Jesus and his love for us to discover. Jesus loves you passionately. You can experience more of that as you draw close to him. Jesus wants you to enjoy your relationship with him, even in the midst of suffering and difficulty and trial. Jesus wants us to know and enjoy him in our lives. And the question for us that the song poses is, will you search for him? Will you go looking for him? Even when that feels risky, even when that feels costly, will you desire him in a faint echo of his desire for you? I think in some ways the Song of Songs here sort of helps us understand a lot of the language of the Psalms. The Psalms are always talking in these astonishingly emotional ways. Sometimes we don't always know what to do with Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Psalm 63, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Is that your experience? Can you relate to those feelings of thirst and longing? Sometimes I just settle. I just go, well, I think I've got, I know enough of God. That's fine. Get on with life. But then you read a Psalm, you read Song of Songs, they kind of blows your mind open, going, actually, there's maybe more of Jesus to know and enjoy. So I guess our question is, well, how do you stir that up? How do you begin to take those longings and act on them in your walk with him? Just a few things as we finish. And one thing is really important is just recognize the emptiness of life without Jesus. When we just take him for granted, just start thinking, what would life be like if Jesus wasn't real and if Jesus wasn't there? Remember the distress the woman felt when the man she loved was absent. And then try to imagine life without Jesus. Remember the brokenness, the emptiness of this world without him. Psalm 63, the world is a dry and parched land 
where there is no water. Life without Jesus is life when we're on our own, when we have to save ourselves, when we have to earn the love of the people around us, when we have to carry all the weights and worries of life on our own. And sometimes Jesus hides his face from us to show us what life will be like without him. And whenever that happens, the woman crawls to us, get up and go looking for him again. And as we look for him, remember Jesus' costly search for you. Remember, actually, as the song tells us, Jesus was looking for us long before we ever started looking for him. Jesus experienced risk and danger far greater than the woman did here. He moved heaven and earth to find us. He experienced real distance from his father as his father turned his back on Jesus at the cross when Jesus became sin for us. When we feel distant from God, when we feel God is absent from us, actually, we go to Jesus because he knows better than we do what that feels like. And he's able to meet with us and help us in those times of distance. When we feel distant, remember his deep love for you, the lengths he went to to save you. And finally, we can search for more of Jesus in community with others. Searching for Jesus isn't something we do in in sort of isolation. It's something we're called to do in community with his church. Again, it's something you see throughout the Song of Songs, but always there's this group of friends in the background for the woman and the man. They're with the woman throughout. They're listening to her. They're asking her questions. They're helping her. I think that is a picture of Christian community for us. Let's be people who talk about our relationship with Jesus. Let's be people who share about those times of distance and absence from him. Again, the danger is we think, well, it's just me. I couldn't say to anyone else. They seem to sing with such joy and passion. Actually, talking together makes you realize you have so much more in common with each other. Talk about how you're going to look for Jesus and pray that you would find him. And where do we look for Jesus when he feels distant from us? We look in his word as we gather to listen to it together. We look as we pray, as we ask Jesus to help us and shine his light. And we look in the church as we experience Jesus' love and care through the love and care of his people. The Bible's always got this double view of church. It's so honest about the flaws and the imperfections and the disappointments of other human beings. And yet the Bible also insists that often the way God tangibly loves us is through his people, however imperfectly. We meet with Jesus in his word, in prayer, in the church. And this morning, in a few minutes, we're going to meet with Jesus in bread and wine. When in a time when perhaps some of us here feel that sense of distance and absence, we're reminded Jesus has come close to us. And he's given us tangible, physical signs of his love and commitment to you, whether or not you're entirely sure he is with you right now. The Lord's Supper, bread and wine, are these physical reminders of the love of Jesus until he comes again. So Song of Songs, chapter three, I think it's here to remind us that sometimes Jesus will feel absent or distant from us. 
And in those times, that doesn't mean you failed if you're a Christian. That doesn't mean you're abnormal. And it's not actually even the disaster you sometimes think it is. Because maybe it's actually an invitation to know him in a fresh way. Maybe it's an invitation to know him in a deeper way. Maybe it's an invitation to say, here is who I am right now, Lord, with all the mess and all the struggle. But I'm going to search for you. Like the woman does here. Knowing that actually you're also searching for me. I'm not going to be dissuaded. I'm not going to be put off. I'm going to find the one my heart loves, knowing that he loves me far more than I love him. Knowing that his purposes for me are good, whatever is happening in my life. And knowing there is always more of him and his amazing love for us to discover as we draw near to him. Let's bow our heads for a moment and let's pray. Just in the quiet, maybe use this time to just think, where do you feel in relation to the Lord Jesus? Is there a sense in which that feeling of distance or absence is very real? Is there a sense where you can remember the times when that distance or absence felt real, but you can gratefully say, no, I know more of him. He is close to me. Let this song act as an invitation to you to search for more of Jesus, to do that in community with his people. To do that knowing that actually his love and desire for you is far greater than your love and desire for him. Let's take a moment to pray. Father God, we do thank you that your word again and again shows us that when we think we have to hide the reality of our experience from you and from one another, we've gotten it wrong. Thank you, Lord, for passages like this that just demonstrate something of our experience of you in this world, that we can be honest about that. You want us to be honest about that. Thank you also for the picture here of what restoration looks like, of what being reunited with you looks like, of what a deeper knowledge and love for you looks like. Would you help each one of us to resolve to go searching for you, even in the days ahead? And Lord, please, in your mercy and in your goodness, would you reveal more of yourself to us to strengthen us and to meet our needs, and to bring glory to yourself. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.